All right. Well, welcome to uh, welcome to Dirt Bike Church or ATB Church, uh, whichever discipline you happen to be. But this is this is the way that we do it at GNCC on a beautiful, beautiful Saturday afternoon. My name is Chuck Lee Master. I'm with Team Faith Racing, and it's our privilege to be your uh, well, it's my privilege to be your chaplain here on this series. And I think it's probably probably the, the coolest thing that God could have ever done to somebody is put a guy like me into a series like this to be your your chaplain and bring church to the racetrack. As part of um, as part of the duties of being a pastor or a chaplain, it's it's sometimes it's sometimes awesome. <laughs> it's always awesome because God's an awesome God, but sometimes it's very very difficult. And if you've been on this series for any length of time, um, you probably come to know the name Cody Gregg. and he's he's actually with the new class this year XC three. Cody's been a two-stroke specialist all of his life. He qualified, uh, he actually was running top 20 at an outdoor national just a couple years ago. Got interviewed by uh, Racer X, and then, of course, at the time I was doing Tuesday Toolbox for GNCC. And uh, just I've, I've known Cody and his family for a very, very long time. And today, he and his dad died on their way to this race. Uh, we don't know the details. Motorhome off the road and it was it was just him and his dad and it's what so many of us do putting in the miles and they were no stranger to this they put they put a million miles on their rig i'm sure of it because they've done outdoors they've done loretta's they've done this and they were they that family is one of the i mean they're they're just they are the dncc family uh it's it, they're the epitome of it um love love them Talking to talking to Chris Gregg at Big Buck, and they're from uh, they're from North Carolina, and so Big Buck was a close one for them, and all excited that Cody was getting back into XC3, and of course Cody was doing well. Like I said, two stroke specialist, and saw him again in Florida, and it's just really really hard. It's really hard, and even if you don't know the Greggs. Even if you never met them, you're new to the series or whatever. I can see it in your face that your your heart breaks when you see somebody struggling. Your heart breaks for them. And there's going to be a lot of hurting people around here tomorrow. And um, and Jesus said when he was on this earth, he said, "You are the salt of the earth." He said, "You you are the light of the world." He said, "A city on a hill cannot be hid." Likewise, neither do you hide your light under a bushel. And people need to know that there's hope. And because you took the time to come here today and, and take time out of your Saturday evening at the races, that tells me that there's something within you that's burning that you want to know that there is a God and that you probably know who that God is. But I'm not going to let the opportunity pass by without pointing to Jesus. That Jesus was the one they lived that perfect life that none of us could ever live. And He's the one that died and paid the penalty on that cross for our sin. And He's the one that through Him we have a hope of eternal life. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And the people, the thousands of people around here need to know that there's hope. In a dark moment, like tomorrow morning is going to dawn and it's going to be very dark as news starts to spread 
of Chris and Cody Gregg's passing. And people need to know that there's hope. And I'm here to tell you that that hope is in Jesus. God's a big God, and we don't understand things. But let me pray right now. God, I confess to you, as your as your appointee to this series, as, as the chaplain for GNCC, I confess in front of these people, I don't understand you. I don't always I don't always like you. But you love me so much that you sent your own son to die in my place. And that means something to me. So I just pray, Lord, that you'll speak through me right now. Fill me with your spirit. Give me the words to say. Words that will encourage and inspire us and challenge us to go forward and change the world for you for eternity. Amen. You see, I've got this, I've got this awesome, awesome message that's prepared. I've got the notes. I've, I've rehearsed it. I've planned it. I've gone through it three times in my motorhome. I've spent a lot of time on it, but it's just not its just not going to fly tonight. Because uh, we were in this situation a year ago. Sometimes you just got to be real. Sometimes it's just not about what I had on my plate. Sometimes it's just time to say, all right, God, what is it that you want to say? A year ago, Ty Keston came to this series. He was a newcomer to the series. Basically, he and his family were newcomers to the series and uh, had, had raced, I think they raced one or two the year before. And then they came out that they were going to race all the GNCCs. And it was at this race, in the 10 o'clock race, the 125 BC class, that Ty met his untimely death at 17 years old. And uh, it, rocked, it rocked this GNCC racing nation. I love it every morning when, when Rodney Tomlin wakes us up and Good morning, GNCC Racing Nation. Because that's what we are. We are a racing nation. And we are friends and we're, we're family. And it really shook us. Even though many of us hadn't met the Kestens, we knew people that knew them. Because we're all in this together. And so coming to this race this weekend, we knew that we would we would have a memory of that and that it would be tough. And our prayers continue for the Keston family. But then to be met with this news today of Chris and Cody, it's just about unbearable. And the question, the question that rings through our hearts is why do good things happen to bad people and why do bad things happen to good people? Why do the, why do the good die young? And I don't have an answer for that. But I will tell you this, that it's not God's design. That's not what God had intended when He created the world. When you pick this up and you read through Genesis chapter 1, you start at the very beginning and it says, In the, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then you go through the different days of creation. And God creates, uh, He says, let let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. Let it separate the waters from the waters. And and it was so. And there was evening and there was morning and the second day. And at the end of every day, we learn later that God said, it is good. Every time He created something, He says, it is good. It is good. Until He gets to the sixth day, He creates the animals and that is good. And then He creates... He says, let us make man in our own image. So in the image of God, He formed a male and female. He formed them both. We learn a little bit more in Genesis chapter 2, the specifics of how that happened. We learn that God formed man out of the dust of the ground. He gathers together the clay of the earth and He forms the man. And then He breathes in him the breath of life. Do you see the difference there? 
It's like with everything else, with the birds and the plants and the trees and the animals, God speaks and it is so. But when it came to mankind, God, the creator of the universe, God Almighty, fashioned man himself with his own hands. So let's give him our image, my image, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Let's give him our image, and then he breathes into him the breath of life. And it's interesting that at the end of that, he doesn't say it is good. Instead, we find out later that Adam, Adam's job, Adam was the man's name, Adam's job is to name the plants, the trees, the animals, and give them names and to have dominion over them. And as they come by, two by two, they come by, and yet Adam has no suitable helpmate. And God says it is not good. And so God created for him Eve. And then it was good. And then everything was perfect. And then there was the Garden of Eden. And we've heard this story so many times that it becomes, it becomes like a fairy tale to us. It becomes like, oh yeah, I've, I've heard that. I don't even know if it's true. But the truth is, is that in the very beginning, everything was good. Everything was awesome. Everything was as it should be, as God had created it to be. And it was perfect. And there was no death. God told Adam and Eve, He said, here... Here is your world. Take care of it. There's only one rule. Don't eat of the tree in the middle of the garden of Eden. Don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That was the name of the tree. The serpent comes along. The snake. We say, a talking snake? That's crazy. It's the beginning of time. You don't know any different, right? It's a perfect world. The lion doesn't eat the lamb. The lion doesn't eat you. And a snake comes along and says to Eve, Did God say that you can't eat any of the fruit from this garden? And Eve says, God didn't say that. He said that there's only one tree that we can't eat from, or even touch it. She actually embellished a little bit, or even touch it. She, was, she knew for certain that that is off limits. Now we ask the question, why did God put that tree in the middle of the Garden of Eden? Because without free will, there is no love. You can't love unless you choose to love. And God entered into a loving relationship with His creation by giving us the opportunity to not love. And so free will... And Satan, the great, great deceiver, comes along and says, well, God's holding out on you. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you will eat that, then you will be like God. You know what? He was partially right. Satan's best lies come with a big dose of truth. If you eat that, you will know good and evil. At this point, you only know good. And you don't know what evil is. You only want to know good. But God's holding out on you because there is evil. And if you eat that tree, you'll get to know both. But he doesn't say it that way. He just says, God's holding out on you. And so, of course, Eve eats. And then Adam eats. And in the cool of the day, God comes down for his daily walk with Adam and Eve. And they're not there. God says, Adam, where are you? He says, I'm over here. I'm hiding behind this bush. Why are you hiding? And Adam says, because I don't have any clothes on. I'm naked. God says, who told you you were naked? Did you eat of that tree? God knew. Did you eat of that tree? He says, here's the problem, Adam, because you've done that, now death has entered into the world. Adam had no idea what death was. There was no death. When God created the world, there was no death. The penalty, the curse of sin is death. Here's what we learn in Romans chapter 5. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. The many, the rest of Adam's offspring, 
You and me sitting here today, we were born into sin because of Adam and Eve and that choice. And we can be angry at Adam and Eve. We can say, you shouldn't have done that. But what has every single one of us here done? We were born into this world in sin, but we were born into this world with free choice, right? With free will. We had the choice to do things, and we did them wrong. Every single one of us here, it's called sin. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Paul is writing this letter to the church in, in Rome, and he's talking about Jesus, the one who lived the perfect life, who had the free will, who chose not to disobey. You see, we wonder, why do bad things happen? Why is there cancer? Why do people die before their time? And I don't have those answers, but I can go all the way back to the beginning of time, and I can say, this is not what God designed it to be. God designed this to be perfect. Us, He designed for us to be in perfect harmony with Him, but sin has ruined it. And because of sin, death is now a part of our experience. Some of, the, uh, some, some of the critics of the Bible, some of the critics of Christianity say, you know, God said, Adam, if you eat that, then you're going to die. But he didn't die right then. Well, let me ask you this. Where's Adam today? He's dead. <laughs> because death entered the world. Matter of fact, we're told later on in the Bible that Adam actually lived to be 700, 800, 900 years old. He was in the centuries. He's a long, long time. And... Uh, but he ultimately died. Part of the curse of sin was weeds, thorns, thistles, sweat of your brow, pain in childbirth. Those are all part of the curse of sin. It's not the way that God designed it to operate, but that's the way it is today. That, that death is a part of our experience. And so just to catch everybody up, if you're just, if you're just pulling up, I'm just catching up with us here, walking by and, and tuned in for the last couple minutes. The news that, that Chris and Cody Gregg on their way here and had an accident and they both died is just going to shake this nation, this GNCC nation. And we're wrestling with why. God, why would you let this happen? I don't know why. I don't know why, but here's what I do know. is that in that moment when sin took over this world, it became Satan's domain. Satan is actually the the word. I'm sorry, get the words out here. Satan is the ruler of this universe. Did you notice that when Jesus was tempted, when he was on this earth, he, the Son of God, the King of the universe, came down in human form. Before he started his ministry, he was out in the wilderness for forty days and forty nights. And one of the uh, and, and one of the temptations that Satan gave him was, "Bow down and worship me." And I'll give you all of this. This is my domain. Jesus didn't correct Satan and say, that's not your domain. No, Jesus just said, get away from me. It's, it's written that I'll only worship the Lord God. Paul says that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. That this is his domain. Satan is the one that tempted Adam and Eve in the very beginning to bring about this death and this destruction, these thorns and these thistles and this heartache and the things that we don't understand and the things that we want to shake our fist at God and say, God, how could you and why would you? And they were good people. Why would you take them so soon? But God in His mercy and in His love sent His Son to this earth to pay the death penalty for us. You see, we were just like Adam in the garden. 
When Adam said, I am going to rebel against God, I'm going to eat that fruit, we've done the same thing. And we've sinned against God. The wages of sin is death. It's clear all the way back in Genesis that the wages of sin is death. The penalty, the payment. When you do a job, you get a paycheck. The paycheck for your life is death. Matter of fact, it's written a couple times that as good as you can be, your good works are as valuable as filthy rags. As a pile full of filthy rags. They have no value. Your life has no value whatsoever to the perfect and holy and true creator of the entire universe. That's how valuable my life is. It's nothing. And yet, God sent His own Son to this earth to pay the death penalty for me so that I could live forever. So what that means that there is power over death. What that means is that there is a God who He led us of our own free will. He lets us go astray. But because of His love for us, He draws us to Himself through His Son, Jesus. Jesus, when He was on this earth, people didn't understand Him. Just like we don't understand God right now, Jesus was on this earth and people didn't understand Him that He was indeed the Son of God. And so he goes about his business and he starts doing some miracles and he starts getting people to pay attention and say, man, there's something really different about this guy, Jesus. He can turn water into wine. He can make the, the lame people walk. He can make the blind people see. The deaf are able to hear. The mute are able to speak. This guy is amazing. He fed the 5,000 people. We ought to make him king. And Jesus said, I don't want to be king. That's not what I came here for. I came to be, the, my kingdom is not of this world. One of the last miracles that Jesus ever did is in John. In John chapter 11. It seems like I was just in this passage a year ago. But i got to come back to it. Because this is what it all comes down to. John chapter 11. Jesus is the one who can do miracles. His friend is sick. The sisters, Lazarus' sisters, send for him. Jesus, come here quickly. You're the one that you love is dying. He is sick, and he needs you. And Jesus, he didn't go. He hung around for a couple of days, and he waits. And then he tells the disciples, the people that were closest to him, he said, let's go over to Bethany and let's go see Lazarus. His disciples were like, man, we were just in Bethany not too long ago. They were trying to kill us. Are you trying to go back there and get killed? Lazarus, by now, he's probably better. And Jesus says, no, nah, he's asleep. Let's go wake him. Well, if he's asleep, then he's great. No, plainly, Lazarus is dead. Then why are we going? That's a good question. He's already dead. Why are we going? Jesus didn't answer that. Instead, he goes in, he comes into Bethany, and one of the sisters runs out and meets him and says, Jesus, if you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. You could have done you could have done something about this situation. You could have changed the outcome of this situation if you had cared enough to be here. If you'd have cared enough to step into this situation, it wouldn't have gone down this way. And Jesus pulls her aside and he says, He says, um, Do you? He says to Martha, He says, He says, Do you? I've lost my place. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. He's going to come back to life again at some point. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. That's not bringing me very much comfort right now, Jesus. To know that there is eternal life is not bringing me a whole lot of comfort right now in my hour of need. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. We know the rest of the story because we're 2,000 years the other side of it. Jesus says the same thing to the other sister, to Mary, who also had the same question, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I am the resurrection and the life. Take me to the tomb. There at the tomb, Jesus wept. There's been a lot of discussion. A lot of uh, seminary leaders have discussions over why did Jesus cry at the tomb. He knew that he was going to raise Lazarus back to life. Why did he cry? And let me tell you, Jesus is just as much human as you and I are. He had compassion. When you're around somebody that's heartbroken, it is hard. If you have any compassion at all, it is hard to not be heartbroken. You're going to find that tomorrow. You're going to need to be that friend to put an arm around. And you're going to need to be that friend maybe just to be silent, maybe to say a prayer, maybe say, I love you. I don't know what it is. Let God lead you in that moment. But Jesus wept. And then he said, roll the stone away. They said, Lord, by now he stinketh. I love the King James on that. By now he stinketh. He's been in there for four days. He's rotting and he stinks. Jesus said, roll the stone away. And he shouts out, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes forth, bound in all the burial wraps, looking like a mummy. And Jesus says, unloose him, untie him. I am the resurrection and the life. Where's Lazarus today? Not here. He died. He died that physical death. But he did not die that eternal death. If you believe in Jesus, it makes the world right again. No, not with your physical eyes. With my physical eyes, I still see things that I don't understand, that make me mad, that choke me up, that make me cry. Things that if I look with my physical eyes, I want to shake my fist at God. But with my spiritual eyes, with what really matters, and we've talked about this all season long, actually, for the three, for the three rounds that we're in it. Sometimes a blessing, a blessing isn't about getting wealth and money. It's about living into God's purposes for your life and being able to affect eternity because our life right now, I don't care if you're 21 years old or if you're 210 years old, it's that long in the scope of eternity. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. That's what makes the difference. That's what changes everything. Our friends and our relatives on this nation desperately need to know that there's a God who loves them. Because Satan, the prince of this world, is giving us all kinds of mixed messages, telling us all kinds of things, deceiving the nations. That's his job, to keep us distracted. I mean, you turn on the news and you find out about relative morality. You find out that what is my truth is my truth, what is your truth is your truth. Don't buy into the lie. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There are not. I'll repeat this again. Maybe you've heard the analogy of the blind men exploring the elephant. One, man, one blind man feels the elephant's trunk, the other the leg, and yet it's all. they describe it differently, but it's all the same thing. I've heard that said again for many different religions. It's all the same God. No. <laughs> Jesus said that he made no apology. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Hold fast to that, my friends. Hold fast. 
I'm going to put it to you plainly and clearly right now that Jesus died for your sin. We're all sinners here. He's died for your sin. He was buried and He was done. The book was written. It was closed. End of story. Jesus was just a man. Go back to your business. There's nothing to see here, folks. But on the third day, the tomb was empty because Jesus rose from the grave. He conquered death. Anybody that can conquer death is somebody that I'm going to follow. Accept Him into your life right now. It goes like this. Just everybody close your eyes. God, I'm a sinner. And I don't deserve anything but your judgment. But you sent Jesus to pay the penalty for my sin. And I accept that. I'm sorry for my sin. And I accept Jesus as my Savior. Come into my life and make me a new creation. It's that simple, my friends. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, then you're good for eternity and God is going to do a work in your life and He's going to change you from who you are into who He's created you to be. And it won't be an easy road and you're not going to understand everything. But that's where it begins, is by accepting Jesus as your Savior. And with that security, you can face eternity. And if you did pray that prayer, I'd love to talk to you after this. I'd love to tell you a little bit more. If you're afraid to pray that prayer, if you have questions, I'm going to be right here. And I'll pray for you individually. But right now, let me just pray for you here corporately. God, we are still heartbroken and sad. Our human words can't even express our grief at the passing of Chris and Cody Gray. There are some long, dark days ahead for Lisa and Casey. Be with them. Just comfort them. Wrap your arms around them in this hour of their darkest, darkest grief. Be with this GNCC Racing Nation as the news breaks and we begin our own weeping and our own sadness. But somehow, Lord, what Joseph said at the end of Genesis when he was talking about the evil that his brothers had done to him, what you meant for bad, God intended for good. Somehow, God, in the light of this, shine a light through in this darkest hour. Just shine your love through. Use the people that are gathered here just to shine your light on this nation, Lord. I love you. I'm so thankful that you sent Jesus to pay the price for my sin. And I just want this, this nation to understand how much you really do love them. Comfort us, protect us, and use us. In Jesus' name, amen.